Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear in this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, and you can find it on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play Music, and iOS users can also hear the show on the Overcast app. There are actually even more platforms out there than what I just mentioned. I should probably just say, besides that website, you can also find the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the road, today being in France, my guest is an Australian solo acoustic guitarist and composer, most known for his two-handed bell harmonics techniques. He is in the tens of millions in terms of streams on various music platforms and hundreds of millions in video views, with the latter featuring a camera rig inside his guitar. You've been hearing a song of his called Blossom. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Alan Gogol. Yeah, good day, Bruce. Thanks, uh, thanks very much for having me on the, on the show. Absolutely. Welcome, Alan. Thanks for doing this. Oh, pleasure to uh, pleasure to be here. And hello to everyone who's listening, too. Thank you. We always start off by having the guest talk about the song of theirs that we played during the intro. So in your case, Alan, tell the listeners about the song Blossom. Yeah, so um, my song Blossom, uh, I composed that um, around two years ago. Um, and it heavily features the harmonic technique that um, that I've called uh, bell harmonics. Um, and, uh, yeah, it also incorporates some more traditional, uh, guitar playing. And, um, I was really happy with how this piece and, uh, how the EP, which this piece features from, um, came together. I think it was, um, the combination of, um, many years working with this technique and, uh, yeah, I was, um, really happy with how it came together. So it's a pleasure to be able to share that with you. Now, the EP, do you record yourself? Is there a studio that you go to? Where do you do your recording? Back home in Australia, I'm guessing? Yeah, I've um, done most of the recording myself. Um, I started uh, actually recording when I was um, in uh, early high school, so maybe 14, and it's just been um, kind of a process since then over the the next decade and a half. So I've got some... um, I've got enough uh, kind of knowledge, I guess, to to get me by and enough um, equipment. Um, I do also record uh, a little bit with a friend at um, it's called Real to Real Studios. We did uh, Grizzly Caterpillar there, and um, but yeah, I I do enjoy just um, kind of chilling out with a coffee, um, you know, my laptop and a microphone, and just uh, going from there. Okay, but I'm interested in the 14 years old part of what you just said, because I don't think 14 years ago, you were probably recording into your laptop. And for Pete's sake, you're only 14. So how were you recording at the age of 14? Yeah, so I um, so that was, uh, that was with my um, band at the time. 
Um, well, I think we went through a few iterations, but yeah, kind of as long as I can remember, I um, I've been wanting to wanting to do um, do music, and uh, so that was a matter of buying, oh, you know, saving a couple of hundred dollars and buying um, an old computer from eBay, uh, an interface, um, uh. you know, kind of some um, microphones that I could afford. And, uh, you know, having uh, me and the band around um, every chance we got just at home with uh, mattresses up against the walls <laughs> and um, just kind of uh, winging it to a large part, to, large, to a large extent. But, um, but, yeah, that's kind of how the recording side of things started. But even what you describe, again, for being age 14 and having a band – and saving up hundreds of dollars to purchase all that equipment, I, I think you were mature beyond your years at 14 years old, it sounds like. Oh, I appreciate that, Bruce. It's um, It can be one of those things. I, I turned 31 um, earlier this year, and I can sometimes I look back and think, gee, did I you know, achieve enough or have I gone you know, hard enough um, in that time? So it's, kind of, it's nice to, to hear that. I guess... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I started playing guitar when I was five, and I mm. distinctly remember um, uh, I had a couple of um, lessons to start with, and I remember the first one, and I just fell in love with the guitar, and I, to this day I can remember thinking that this is what I want to do with my life. And you read my mind. I, I wondered if you started at the age of five, and by 14 we're in a band and doing what we've discussed, there had to be a point in time where you decided, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. It's just a matter of getting older, getting better, and really executing it to be what it is now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, 14-year-old Alan was playing, um, I think I was in my grunge kind mm. of phase then, you know, we were the we were the next Nirvana or Chili Peppers, at least uh, <laughs> in our minds. Um, but it was cool because... Um, I think a lot of, I don't know, I think that's maybe where I started to develop a bit of a pop sensibility, I guess, um, which I carried through and, and nurtured, I guess, um, in terms of the songwriting side of my playing. Okay. Well, let's start off by having you do a little education for the listeners. Back on episode 107 of this show, my guest was David Fader from down in the Florida Keys. He is an acoustic guitarist who plays Latin jazz, funk, blues, even hillbilly flamenco. Then on episode 217, the guest was Preston Reed, who lives in Scotland. He's a fingerstyle guitarist known for a two-handed playing style and compositional approach that integrates the percussive potential of the guitar body Alan, in your case, talk to the listeners about your two-handed bell harmonics techniques. Yeah, firstly, I'll say I, I um, I'll have to check out that first name you mentioned, but um, certainly Preston Reed. I remember, uh, you know, I think he's a bit of a well, he's not just a bit of he's a yeah a legend <laughs> in the um, guitar community. Very much so. Um, but yeah, so I um started uh. I think I was like nine at the time when I started to play around with um, harmonics. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, tried to write a song just using harmonics. And then kind of fast forward, uh, I don't know, a decade or so, and I still had that um, interest. Um, but it wasn't until I actually uh, just injured one of my hands a little bit, um, cooking, just slipped with a knife. And uh, so I only had one hand to work with for a while. Ah. And and um, so I really... Uh, yeah, that was a bit of like a it was a bit of a midlife crisis kind of. <laughs> I couldn't play guitar the way I had been. Um and I'd always been very careful with my hands. Um and then I just started to explore once I got over the initial, you know, um shock, I just started to explore what I could try and do with just one hand. And so I, I injured my um my left hand, so I only had my right hand and um so I started doing artificial harmonics, um, which is nothing new with my right hand, um, but then started to do like um, two at once. And that was maybe something that I, I mean, I hadn't seen that that before. Um, but then I guess where my technique kind of stands, stands apart was I thought, gee, can I transfer what I've done on the right hand um, onto my left hand? Mm which was something that had kind of no precedent. I'd researched, um, looked, you know, high and low if this had been done before, and it hadn't. So I wasn't sure if it was going to be possible, certainly possible to incorporate it into music like you heard with um, the song Blossom. Uh, So I spent a few years, you know, I remember doing like 16-hour days just grinding on this um, technique. And um, then I um, so, and I wrote one of the first pieces I wrote was called um, Pepperleaf Pipes. And that was actually featured uh, twice in, in Guitar World back wow. um, in the early kind of 2000s. Wow. Um, and uh, it just kind of... Um, went from there but it wasn't until uh sorry i'm kind of i'm talking a fair bit here <laughs> please it's okay it's cut okay. me off if i'm <laughs> <laughs> um but then it was uh really in like 2015 when i released um bell's harmonic the song named after the technique mm-hmm. and then subsequently um mulberry mouse it was those two pieces which mulberry mouse in particular and through the leaves kind of went viral with uh, – they got, you know, to the 10 million view mark pretty quickly um, within a week or so, I think. And then, yeah, it just um, – that opened up a, a few, you know, kind of – I don't know. It was just really nice to see people enjoy enjoy what I was doing because, you know, I was doing it kind of for myself first and foremost. And then, yeah, it was really um, – it was a really nice moment. Well, and that's something that I wanted to go back and ask you about. Is you said you researched it to see was anyone else doing it? Was that research because you wanted to say, "Yay, I think I'm going to be the first and only one doing this," or was it, "No, Bruce, I really just more wanted to see is anyone else doing it and what are they doing with it? Is there something I can learn from it, etc." Yeah. So, um, originality has always been something that's 
um, I've always kind of strived for. Uh, but certainly in, in this case, it really was like I've never seen – there was a little bit of an ex- excitement like, oh, maybe I'm – you know, this could be something uh, new. Um, but then it was like, wow, this is going to take me a lot of practice, like years of practice mm. to incorporate it. Um, and I could spend three years – trying to do this technique and it doesn't work and I've maybe wasted three years. So at the start, right. it really was to see whether it was possible and if someone else had done it. But still though, I think that a large majority of the people in those situations would say, well, I don't have three years to see if it goes anywhere. There was something obviously that told you, maybe it's just your makeup. Maybe it's who you are. Maybe that's just the way that Alan Google is that I'm going to try it anyways. But I admire that because, like I said, most people would say, this could really take a long, long time to perfect, and I just don't know that I have it in me to put that much time into it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. That's uh, very kind of you. I, th- Yeah, I guess my person, well, you know, a few people over the years have commented on my personality. I guess if it's something that I care about, I can, um, yeah, to focus on something that I care about is n- I've never really struggled with that. I've certainly never, I've never known the word boredom or, um, and I do like a challenge. So I saw it as a challenge. Um, and maybe the most exciting thing was I had a, a glimpse of the possibility of how it could work musically. And if it did work, what it would open up for me to do composition wise and also the technical challenge. So, I really saw it as um, something quite fun, but it was daunting as well. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. So how and when did you get the idea to build a camera rig inside your guitar? And and then clarify also, did you do that yourself or did the guitar company do it with you or for you? Yeah. So I certainly wasn't the first person to do um, uh some camera work from inside the guitar. I think the first video maybe I saw was from a guy called um, Acoustic Trench um, who does some, uh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful work. You might have even seen some of his videos. He plays with his um, his white Labrador maple. Um, but so I saw this and thought, yeah, wow, that's, that's really cool. And... Um, I've always had a bit of an interest in video and, oh, actually, that's what I studied at university mm. um, was video like production. And so I, I thought, how can I bring, because at that point, just people had just put their phones in their guitar. And I thought, how can I bring this to the best quality possible that I'm capable of? Um, and so... Yeah, so I bought a court guitar and um, got a Sony camera and um, just went to town and uh, started cutting it up. And um, it maybe took me, I don't know, uh, one or two weeks of kind of just working on this thing every day Hmm. and um, put it all together. There was a few little hiccups along the way, but... um, the end result, it actually worked pretty well. It was um, a bit of a Frankenstein-looking machine. <laughs> um, 
but um but yeah so uh that was how i did my um stringscape videos or the ones that at least uh you know very highly produced i guess so this is making me think of something that i saw take place on instagram about a month or two ago there was somebody who was claiming to do something similar to bell harmonics and i'm trying to think of a polite way to say that and please just allow me to use this expression i don't mean it as harshly as it sounds but you sort of called out this person on instagram but then once some digging was done and i imagine messages exchanged it proved to just be a big misunderstanding you were big enough to apologize publicly on instagram and you even encouraged people to follow that guy so kudos to you you know i mean obviously protecting your brand and thinking hey this person is trying to do what i do and obviously like i said protecting your brand a red flag goes up but then you're honest enough to say hey it's just a big misunderstanding in fact go follow this guy so when i'm asking you you know when did you get the idea you've already told us about when I asked you about when did you get the idea to build a camera inside your guitar and then you had already told us, you know, what Bell Harmonics is, that's what came to mind. But I don't want to miss out on saying to you that was very big of you because a lot of people could have said, this person looks like they're ripping me off. Don't follow him. Don't support him. And instead, you kind of did a deep dive and said, okay, wait a minute. It's a big misunderstanding. So hats off to you for being a pro, being professional about that. No, I, I appreciate that, and yeah, it was um, it was just a a, a big um, misunderstanding, and I should have um, well, I'd never really kind of handled a situation uh, like like that. So I'm um, I know he received some uh, you know some messages that were not very nice, and you know I really was apologetic um, and told my followers just that's not cool at all. Um, but yeah, I guess um, yeah, I don't know. I suppose I've spent so many years like doing this, my style kind of thing. I started to get a few messages from people going, "Hey, are you um, playing this other person's music?" Mm. Um, but it really was just a big understanding. And um, the other guy's like the loveliest guy. And um, nice, yeah, nice. We're hoping to, uh, you know, we were even chatting, you know, early today and just saying, "Yeah, we'll have to uh, have to catch up and." Um, just, you know, just hang out and play That's some great. music. So That's great. Getting back to the guitar with the camera inside of it conversation that we were having, Yeah, I just want you to talk about the many guitars that I'm sure that you have, meaning is there one guitar with a camera inside that only gets used for making videos and then maybe you have others that are for writing songs on that you use for recording with, that you use for performing live with? So at, at the moment, um, here in France, uh, I've got my my main guitar, which is by Swedish luthier Ted Astrand, and um, so I certainly won't be putting a camera in in this. Um, but and uh, I've got the um, yeah, so the Stringscapes guitar, and I actually started building um, two more, um, a nylon string version with a camera or interchangeable rather and another steel string one um and so i'm hoping to finish them later this year when i'm back in australia 
But really, it's not that big a collection. I've just got a few. Uh, so I'm endorsed by um, Anui Nui, uh, which is a Taiwanese Taiwanese brand, and they're doing really um, lovely guitars. And every time um, I go to China, it's with them, and I play their guitars. Mm. Um, and look, before that, I had a. Oh, this was a really, just a really kind of nice story. I got a Tasmanian guitar built by a luthier called Paul Mineur, and I actually recorded most of my like viral videos mm-hmm. on this guitar, so it really um, was a special guitar. But I ended up, um, when I got my Ted Astrand, I just didn't play it that much, and so I put it up for sale on my Facebook page. Mm. And I was contacted by a guy who said, look, I don't play guitar, but my fiancé does. Well, no, at the time, girlfriend does. Hmm. And she said, if you ever propose to me, don't do it with a ring, do it with a guitar. (laughs) And she happened to also um, be a big uh, fan of my music. So he bought the guitar and then kept me up to date um with the the whole process and proposed and she said yes and so i got these photos amazing like the guitar and just um and now you know i chat to her occasionally on on instagram and him and i couldn't have asked for a better story a life cycle for that guitar and how i love it i love it that's great that's great listeners if you're a performer of any kind whether it is guitar or singing or both, or whatever your instrument, you definitely want to check out the recording solutions from Tascam. More than 40 years in business, worldwide, I should add. And you know they are my go-to for all things Now Hear This Entertainment. Plus, you've heard many guests on this show talk about their use of Tascam, including as recently as three weeks ago when the guys in Phony People were carrying on about how much they, and even one of their fathers, have used Tascam gear for so many years. Check it all out at Tascam.com. That's T-A-S-C-A-M.com. Incidentally, Alan, I should have asked, I mentioned that you're in France right now. You just noted that as well. And listeners, by the way, no, Alan is not the first Australian on this show. Back on episode 189, my guest was William Crichton, who lives in Australia, but We actually sat down together in Nashville, and then a few months ago on episode 254, I talked with Ronnie Simmons and Foxy Kelly from The Hots, who live in California, but relocated there a few years ago from Australia. Anyhow, Alan, I should have asked you, talk about being in France right now. Obviously, they're performing, I'm assuming, although I believe you're there for a bit, meaning not just, say, a couple nights. I'm actually... uh... I'm actually over here for uh, for love. Mm. So my girlfriend, um, my girlfriend is is from France, and uh, so I'm spending um, spending some time over here with her. Uh, and I've just just signed the lease on a beautiful apartment for six months. Ah. Um, and have kind of am setting up the little. Uh, little studio i guess so um so I'll also like i'm not sure how much i'll get to perform um i'm really seeing it as an opportunity to uh finish writing and re- re-recording some some pieces that i want to okay but um 
but yes, yeah, so so love is the is the main reason I'm okay. over here. Well, but even still, and you answered my question, but I was going to follow up and say, are you mixing business with pleasure and performing at all? But it sounds like the answer is not yet. <laughs> yeah, um, getting that the performing side of things. I actually I love performing, and um, I just in the last couple of uh, couple of days. Um, have been offered a tour at the end of the year throughout um, Japan, which ah. I'm really excited to to get back to Japan. Um, but performing's not my first love when it comes to the music sphere. Mm. I I love nothing more than just sitting down on the couch playing guitar and practicing technique, or um, which then you know, or composing or um, and, and doing videos. So look, I might do one or two concerts over here. I was here last year for a concert in, uh, Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'll do another one, um, there, but, uh, okay. but I'm pretty content just, um, doing the live streams and things like that. Uh, but, um, yeah, so it is business with uh, pleasure at the moment. Well, but speaking of being away from home in Australia, I know that you've toured in China. Talk about that whole experience. Yeah, so I was in um, Taiwan for the first time uh, last year with um, Anui Nui and then um, was back to uh, back to just China um, late uh, – late last year and um it it's amazing i um absolutely love it uh the people the food the um the culture the concerts themselves like it was um people kind of think you know when i tell them back in australia they're like oh so you're just going to play like some pubs or something and it's like no these are you know these are several hundred people like concert hall yeah actual music venues yeah like i've got some photos there's a photo with um me and there's a billboard behind me with me on it and Mm. people see that and they're like oh oh, okay so you you you're kind of a serious guitar player (laughs) and um but look china is just and it's just wonderful i know it's a bit of a well, certainly from Australia, I, I didn't know anyone else who had even like really been to China. Um, but if you can find a way in, um, and for me it was um, through the guitar company in Nui Nui, mm-hmm. uh, it's, there's just so much potential there and already like such an amazing audience just, uh, just waiting. They're really, you know, they're hungry for, for Western music of, um, of all genres really. Wonderful. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is... I strongly advise against putting up a picture on Instagram and simply writing, caption this, below it. Number one, it makes you look lazy. Why should we come up with a caption? Because you couldn't. Secondly, when people don't 
put suggested captions in the comments, then it really backfires on you. And third, the more times you put up such a post, the more it makes you look like you're struggling to come up with anything substantial about what you're actually doing in your career. Rally around this and use it as a challenge to come up with what I like to call posts that are newsworthy. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Alan, over the course of the last few years on this show, we have heard a lot of guests weigh in with their opinion of Spotify, but you, in fact, say that you're actually making a living off of it. How so? Yeah, so that's... um, I I really owe Spotify uh, and just the digital, you know, the the digital ecosphere, I guess... uh, um, a lot. That's that's why I have the freedom to to be over in France at the moment. And um, uh, yeah, Spotify really changed my life. So prior to 2015, um, I'd be, been performing for maybe eight years, and um, I counted up, and I'd done around a thousand gigs um, in my last year alone. I did 230 performances. Mm. Oh and gosh. these were um, anywhere from like a wedding to a vineyard to a, a few, you know, concert performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was um, 2015, 2016 when um, I had uh, one or two videos kind of go viral on, on Facebook. And I, um, I got a, a royalty statement um, that was quite a lot higher than the normal which was you know which was a month's wage and um did a bit of research well just said you know spotify and started to look into it and um i just saw the saw the potential and i've been working i mean there's no one that you can pay money to to get on spot like a big spotify playlist uh, it's just a matter of releasing content regularly and um, and doing promotion where you can to get people to head to Spotify and to listen to your music. But I earned more money in like one or two years from Spotify than I did all the previous years from performing. Oh, gosh. Wow. Um, and it's now – it's um, it's equivalent to – from Spotify alone, like it's equivalent to the average wage in Australia a year from royalties. So, you know, it's fantastic. It's closing it closing in on you know a six figure passive income. Fantastic. Um, and I'm certainly not the first musician to to have that. There's a, a group I'm part a part of, um, just for instrumental guitarists on Spotify. And um, yeah, there's a few people who have got more, like significantly more um, streams on Spotify than me. And there's some piano um, piano 
oh, like instrumental piano is a massive, massive genre too. Mm. Um, but yeah, it really, really changed my life and gave me a freedom to just play guitar and compose like I've never had before. Okay, but just clarify something, especially because there are listeners of this show who themselves are aspiring performers, and the word on the street is that one stream of one song on Spotify will get you, you know, a penny at the most. That it's a that it's a fraction. Is there such a thing? Do you know as once you start putting up Alan Gogol type numbers, where maybe you quote unquote get a raise, and now it's well, we actually pay a higher per stream amount than what I just described? Or is it, no, I'm making the same per stream that anybody else is, and it's just the volume that you're doing on there that's resulting in such a large payout? Yeah, it's the second one. So it purely is volume. There's no, um, look, the streams do do change, but not according to, to artist. Although, interestingly, um, if a user has a premium account like a a, a listener Mm -hmm. the royalties that they will give the artist essentially can be um can be like two to five times higher than Uh. from a free account so i always encourage people to to go premium um no it really is a, a volume situation um and which doesn't happen overnight it's what sure 2019 and i've you know i'm still i'm nowhere near where i'd like to be and that's been, you know, three or four years of, of hard work. But, yeah, so it's, it's a volume thing. It's also uh, make sure you're collecting, like, every royalty stream that you can. Mm-hmm. So your um, songwriter royalty, your performance royalty, um, the mechanical royalty. Sure. And uh, just really pushing your Spotify profile or Apple Music, whatever platform you do well on. Um, just pushing it uh, where you can. So I always mention Spotify in my live streams and everywhere else I can. But in the case of you mentioned before that there's no person that you can pay to get more on Spotify, more out of Spotify, but obviously a lot of artists are really trying to get their music onto playlists. Are you intentionally doing some work to try to get the attention of higher profile playlists or are they just putting their music on there without any contact from you? Yeah. So I've had, um, uh, maybe nearly half a dozen songs on Spotify curated playlists, which have admitted admittedly been like incredible. That's where, you know, 30% of my traffic comes from. That was something that I had no, say in or control over that just yeah that just happened by itself Mm. um that being said you can now um when you upload music uh spotify give every artist access to a dashboard Mm -hmm. and from that dashboard you can submit tracks to their editorial team for Uh. consideration and it's certainly nothing's guaranteed but from doing that um, I've had two songs put on a playlist um, that's been curated by Spotify. Wonderful. And so that was, yeah, that was all free to do. Um, 
So so it can it can work. The big thing, um, oh, you can certainly leverage your tip things in your in, in your favor. Like you can release music on a Friday. Uh, you can, you know, release singles instead of an album. Um, release things one or two months uh, in advance, so Spotify get hold of it and their cure, um, their editorial teams get a chance to listen to it. Okay. Um, but yeah, look, Spotify, uh, um, CD Baby has um, some great, great resources for yep. anyone who's interested in yep. in looking in looking more into this. Well, I understand that you still do everything yourself, meaning no management, no assistance. So, with all this success that you are having, you you might have answered this already, but I just want to ask it as a direct question: Is there one development you can point to that you really feel kind of catapulted you i don't want to say overnight but you get the idea you talked before about there were a couple videos that went viral got tens of millions of views on facebook and you're talking about how much spotify has done for you but as someone that is doing this all on your own can you look back and say yeah i think what was really my quote-unquote big break was x or is it no it's just a culmination of all the different things we've talked about so far yeah, absolutely. No, I can certainly pinpoint the the turning point, and that was when I uploaded um, uh, Bell Harmonics, the the song that I'd written to um to Facebook, and I um, spent maybe I don't know ten twenty dollars and boosted it hmm. just to um just to the people just to Australia, and I think I got I don't know maybe a thousand views or something, and then I thought, oh, maybe I'll let's just try, you know, a few other countries. So I did a few other countries like America and um, uh, Europe, and woke up with, you know, fifty thousand views. Wow. And my Facebook page went from seven hundred likes, which I'd had for like five years, building that to seven hundred likes. Overnight, it went to three thousand likes. Wow. And and then the song was um, also on the front page of Reddit from that. So mm. my YouTube video got 10,000 views, which I'd never had before. Outstanding. And yeah, so it was like, wow, okay, this there's some massive potential here. Um, so look, spending money to promote uh, a video on Facebook um, I think is like the most valuable thing that you can – or, or Instagram too. Instagram's excellent. Um, those are the two things that I would really suggest artists look into, um, and that's really what changed things for me. Terrific, terrific, fantastic lesson. I am joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment Guest Line by guitarist and composer Alan Gogol. Visit his official website at alangogol.com. Of course, there will be a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. He obviously is all over social media. Once you hit his website, you will find links for Alan on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and even Snapchat. And you'll see links there to get his music from the likes of Apple Music, Spotify, and Google Play, among others. And as you're going to hear shortly, keep up with Alan online so you can see his live streams, which he does regularly. In the meantime, I have not mentioned this in quite a long time, 
But listeners, those of you that have been with the show for a while, did you know that there are hats and t-shirts for Now Hear This Entertainment? If you really enjoy the show and want to show it by wearing NHTE apparel, when you hit the website nhte.net, just look for the store link and order yours online. I appreciate your support that way, and it also helps spread the word to other potential listeners when you wear that stuff around. So, Alan, as I just mentioned, you do an awful lot of live streaming. Are you monetizing at all the live streaming in some way, or is it you just do it to reach people who you otherwise can't perform live in front of, or do you do it just to keep your name, face, and music out there? Or maybe it's some combination of those. Yeah, that's a really good question, Bruce, and one, and, and something that I'm working through uh, at the moment. I think I've kind of resolved myself to just do the live streams because I actually just really like having that interaction with people. Mm-hmm. I tried monetizing. I tried, you know, promoting Spotify um, through every live stream that I did. And so far, I haven't had any success generating um, anything directly from live streaming. But I think just the the boost in morale and just that connection has been really nice to um, to share with, uh, yeah, to share with my followers and um like certainly there will be new people who have never heard my music before that come on and that's and that's really great um and actually with the monetization thing um i should mention you can now support people through facebook facebook are like launching a like a patreon style um thing which is very cool uh so i've taken advantage of that and i think i've got about uh, last count, I've got 26 people. Um, wow! Sub- subscribed, and you can give them behind-the-scenes content all through Facebook, which is makes it really easy. Mm, interesting. But for me, I think live streaming is just about um, just about the morale. I, I just I tried to make you know money from it and really didn't make uh, maybe a drop in the ocean. So gotcha. So I stopped. I did stop live streaming for a while and I just kind of, I just found I really missed it. I just missed um, being able to play and see comments come through and talk to people. So for me at the moment, it's just, it's just about the feel-good experience of, of being able to okay. perform okay. live in a comfortable environment. Yeah, yeah. That being said, I know people that you you might have heard um, maybe even interviewed like Dawn Byers. She's um, she's from Nash, a Nashville singer songwriter uh, who actually just last week I think got engaged in Paris ah. to her partner. Um, <laughs> but she she's like a real pioneer with live streaming, and she um, yeah, you can kind of find interviews for anyone who's interested in approaching it and making like some serious like you know serious money like six figure kind of money from live streaming wow um yeah she she was playing on on broadway and then stopped or or started live streaming and made like 70 grand the first year and 100 grand the next year she said Mm. and uh 
so it certainly is possible to make to make money from live streaming yeah and listeners this is in no way intended to imply that she's making six figures but way way back on episode 58 of this show Auburn who is a singer songwriter up in Nashville she's I love her commitment because every Wednesday night you can set your watch by it she does she uses concert window obviously we all know there's a lot of different platforms out there. Stage It is another one, but Alan's bringing up something great that Facebook is now doing. But uh, check out episode 58 with Auburn and then watch her live streams on Wednesday nights. Alan, I, I wonder, in 2014, you won the Pure Bride Industry Award for Best Wedding Musician in Tasmania, but are you still doing weddings or has this success that you've been having put you in a place where you don't need, or I should say, maybe you don't even want to do those types of events anymore. Yeah, that's, um, I'm, I'm impressed you've done your, uh, you've done your homework. <laughs> <laughs> um, just backtracking quickly onto the live streaming, um, part of it, the consistency is the absolute crucial part and of, of, I think being successful and with how. live streaming. Um, as you mentioned, uh, yeah, so anyone who's doing it, look, actually the same for me with, I, I guess, what I've achieved through through Spotify and, and, you know, my following, it's consistency. Consistency is one of the hardest things, but it's just crucial. But, um, yeah, to touch on the, yeah, so I, I got into, um, so I went from busking, so I got my kind of start doing mm. open mics and busking. And then people would just approach me on the street and ask if I'd play at their wedding. And um, that was a really nice thing. I actually really enjoyed doing that. But um, I'm kind of happy. Like, it was a chapter in my life which I'm happy to have done. But I'm also happy that I no longer have to have to do that. Okay. Um, that being said, occasionally someone will, someone is happy to, to fly me to wherever they're getting married and you know in that situation I'm I'm more than happy to to oblige but it's really just like a logistical thing I guess um at the moment sure sure um but uh but it's look it's a time that I look back on fondly and I still chat to people who whose weddings I I play at like I really I don't know if someone was going to get me as opposed to just a uh, run of the mill a DJ or covers band. Yep. There was someone that like I'd click with on on a personal level. Um so yeah, I I have many fond memories, but I'm not sad to not have to do that anymore yeah, to yeah, rely on that for an sure. income. And listeners, when Alan mentioned busking the light went on in my head right away. If you never heard it, episode 164, I interviewed Natalie Gelman. She's a singer-songwriter from California, and she told some really cool stories on that one about that she was busking. She was playing on the street in Times Square and then down in the subway. She was pretending to be 21 so that she could play in the clubs. Go back and check that out. I'll, I'll put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. I thought of that as soon as Alan mentioned busking. And You've heard Alan talk about the couple of different guitars that he has, and you know that every week I always mention that I play a Boulder Creek guitar. Plus, we've had guests on this show, meaning guitar players and bass players, 
who play instruments from Boulder Creek. And I should mention, of course, that they also do ukuleles. So just as Alan's bell harmonics techniques are quite unique, so is the suspended bracing system that Boulder Creek Guitars employs to make their instruments so much different than the other guitars out there. If you're not familiar with it, go back and listen to Jeff Stramitz talk about it on episode 241 of Now Hear This Entertainment. There's videos online too, so learn more about them, see their artist roster, find a dealer. It's all at bouldercreekguitars.com, which is B-O-U-L-D-E-R, bouldercreekguitars.com. Alan, just two final questions. After doing this show every week for more than five years, I still never get tired of hearing about a guest's songwriting process. I'm particularly fascinated, though, by people like you and, as I mentioned earlier, David Fader and Preston Reed. Heck, for that matter, even Muriel Anderson, the guest from episode 211, who plays harp guitar. I'm I'm fascinated by folks who are doing instrumental music because... I would think that when someone is writing lyrics, when they get what they think is a new idea, they can probably remember faster. Oh, wait, no, I wrote about that already in insert song title here. But in writing acoustic music, is it more challenging to come up with something new that you haven't already done, never mind that someone else has, hasn't has already done? Yeah, that's a really good question and um, something that uh, I struggle with uh, a lot, and I'm sure a lot of other instrumental um, composers do as well. It does. I think there's like the, what I find exciting about the guitar is there's just so much potential. You just have to look at the different genres of guitar, from from classical to um, to funk to metal to now f- fingerstyle. Um, to flamenco you know no one's and i say this with you know all all confidence no one's ever fully explored the guitar as an instrument and i think if you're willing to to put in the work and approach it with an open mind um, then you can yeah you can occasionally find uh, a a bit of gold, a, a diamond, mm-hmm. as you're just mucking around or, or exploring. Um, but it certainly is challenging, and it certainly does take uh, a lot of effort. Um, for me, I find I actually come up with a lot of my riffs. So what I'll do is just sit down and actually practice just technique. Mm-hmm. And it's when I kind of let go and just... I'm sitting there watching Netflix, just practicing, I don't know, a run or something like that, that maybe I'll just do one note differently and then I'll, mm. something will catch my ear and then I think, oh, okay. So I record that just on my phone and, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's how I've built, I reckon, 90% of my repertoire wow. has actually come from just sitting down, practicing wow. technique with no intention of writing a song. Yeah, I'm not sure if that fully answers. Yeah, yeah very much your, so. Your question, very much so. Very interesting. But yeah, it can be a challenge to not have everything that you play sound the same. I mean, I think it's great if you can 
if someone oh, the ultimate is if someone can hear your music certainly being instrumental and go i knew straight away that was you playing but it does uh i guess you trade look there's an immense freedom with instrumental music an immense freedom but it does take a little while to get into the mindset and um in my case, at least, it certainly takes uh, a lot of consistent practice and um, I certainly don't see myself as, as talented. I see myself as someone who has just worked uh, very hard. I like it. I like um, it. Well, since we're talking about creating instrumental songs, we're going to close today with a song of yours entitled Kindling. So before we let you go, tell the listeners about this song. Yeah, absolutely. And I will just backtrack mm-hmm. uh, quickly. I know you mentioned um, Tazcam, and we were talking about the Stringscape guitar with the video in, uh, camera inside the guitar. I actually used um, an external Tazcam recorder for ah. that whole setup, and it works, yeah, it works like a charm. And Very nice. the Boulder Creek, Boulder Creek Guitars are a guitar company that I am familiar with, um, and I hope to – I've never played one in person, but I, I'd love to get over to – America's the one place that I haven't been that I'd really love to to get to and um there's some awesome things that happen with these boutique builders um so Anyhow. fingers crossed that'll happen soon <laughs> rather than later um but yeah so the song kindling I wrote that when I was I I traveled to a city called Adelaide in Australia um a few years ago for a guitar festival and um, I was there for six weeks and I had this, um, an Airbnb in a house. Uh, and I just, I spent a lot of, I didn't really know anyone in Adelaide. So I just spent a lot of time by myself in this, uh, one room, um, just playing guitar. And this was the, the result of, of doing that. And, um, it's not a song that I play a lot, but it's funny how many people like request it, and it's actually the song that took me over to to China. Mm. Um, so I, I owe a lot to this to this piece of music, and it's one that I would love to revisit one day and really, you know, incorporate more in my performance repertoire and just for my personal playing wow um so yeah i i owe a lot to this song very nice very nice alan all really good stuff really enjoyed this thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today oh it's been a pleasure bruce thanks so much for um yeah for having me on the show and for the work that you're doing in supporting and promoting uh musicians and um yeah, I love it. My Thank pleasure. You. My pleasure. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to composer and guitarist Alan Gogol. Visit his official website at alangogol.com. Again, there will be a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Do engage with Alan on social media, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, even Snapchat. Support him by streaming his music on Spotify or purchasing it from the likes of Apple Music or Google Play, among other online retailers. Do follow Alan to see when you can watch his live streams. 
that you heard him talk about. And again, I mentioned it earlier for the first time in a very long time. There are t-shirts and hats for Now Hear This Entertainment. So just like supporting Alan by purchasing or streaming his music, NHTE Apparel is one of the ways that you can support this show and help me out with all the expenses that come with doing a new episode every week for five plus years. And you can help recruit more listeners when they see and or ask about your hat or your shirt. Just go to the show website, nhte.net, and click on the store link. For now, that'll do it for this episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. Thank you ever so much for listening. We'll send you out with another song from Alan Gogol. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Kindling. Kindling. 